So today we'll begin a new series, a three-week series called Family Vacation. And it's going to talk about this journey of grace and love that, that we have. And, you know, I, I just got back from vacation this week. And, and if you follow me on social media, unlike most people who take vacation, you didn't see a whole bunch of pictures. You didn't see a whole bunch of, hey, I'm doing this. Actually, I think I did one post while I was on vacation, and it was on Sunday night when Patty and I ate at Shake Shack. So, so it really wasn't even nothing big, except they have really good shakes. So they do have good shakes. So that was the extent of my letting people know about my vacation. And I actually put on there that I was playing tourist. Um, but I don't know about you, but I really do enjoy vacations. I enjoy the prep that goes into vacations. I, I enjoy the getting excited. And, and you know me, I, I've said it before, I got CDO because it's got to be alphabetically correct, not OCD. So, you know, I plan everything. If you ever looked at my calendar, every hour of the day is, has something on it. And, and so I'm a planner. And, and then I go on vacation and the plan goes out the window. And, and all of a sudden we've waited someplace five minutes too long. And now we're behind time and, and we got to get moving that much quicker. And it becomes stressful. But I love vacations. I enjoyed, you know, when the kids were small and you, and you get the kids all excited. Hey, we're going to Disney World. And we're going to stand in line for two hours, even if you got the fast pass. And then you go and find out the kids are too short to go on the ride. So you kind of lift them up a little bit so they can go on the ride. And, and, you know, as we go through all this and you make these family memories and you have this fun. And I don't know about you guys, but have you ever had one of them vacations where you need a vacation from your family when you get off a of vacation? Oh, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Because all of that togetherness that you had together, you're wishing you were at work eight to 10 hours a day because, you know, that togetherness, there wasn't a whole lot of grace and a whole lot of love and, and you got tired of the old, are we there yet? You know, I think of, it's funny, actually, doing this series uh, this week, um, Family Vacation was on TV. And I started watching, and I was just laughing so hard at it. I said, man, I remember vacations like that. Now, I never dragged a dog behind the car. I didn't have grandma die in the car. But all the different things that go on, that dynamic of family vacations. But it's a time also that we can show that love and grace. You know, when you're on that vacation and, and your family's just... They're there. And you got to give them that love and that grace. That same love and that grace that God has given to us. And, and with the kids, it's that time to actually nurture them and have that bond of, of that love and that grace. And then moments that you can spend that time on a vacation, even after they've asked you if you're there yet a hundred times, you know, and, and you're ready to don't make me come in that back seat you know, or throwing things from the front seat. But it's still that time that we can show them that love and grace and that time that we can make those memories that will last a lifetime. You see, sometimes those forced togetherness requires us to extend levels of love and grace that we don't have to extend during the regular week. Because during the regular week, we're gone 10 hours a day or longer. 
and then we sleep eight, so that's 18. So you only got this little bit of time you got to worry about, and generally it's eating dinner, taking showers, or watching TV. So, so it's not this whole bunch of time, and, and when we get this forced time together as families, sometimes it doesn't go the way we want it to go. But we also got to understand that the covenant that God made and, and, and to create families was so that it could be a covenant that showed love. And, and that covenant that we have is, as being husbands and wives or being family members to show that love and that grace to each other because Jesus showed it to you. God showed his love for us and his grace for us even while we were still sinners. So it's his covenant. And, and today we're going to actually look at a covenant that God made to Abraham. And, and I think that as we look at this today, just as God used Abraham's family as a display of, of his covenantal love, I think he can still use our families to help others to come to know him. As messed up and jacked up as our families may be, he can still use us in our families, just like he used Abraham. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 18, uh, verses 17 through 19. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew. And as always, it will be up here on the screen, so you can look at it that way also. But real quick, Genesis 18, verses 17 through 19. It says, Then the Lord said, Should I hide what I am about to do from Abraham? Abraham is to become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will command his children and his house after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. This is how the Lord will fulfill to Abraham what he promised him. So Heavenly Fathers, we dig into your word today, Lord. We just ask that you open up our eyes that we may see what it is you want us to see. Lord, open our hearts. And Lord, may my words be your words and may your name be glorified. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. So to give you some context, uh, during announcements, I kind of went almost 15 years earlier than this in the scripture, but Basically, what's happening here is that the Lord is with Abraham and two other people, um, angels, and they're talking with Abraham, and they basically tell Abraham that his wife Sarah in the next year will be pregnant. Now, of course, Sarah kind of hears this behind, behind the curtain of the tent, and she starts to laugh. Now, ladies, I'm not going to be here to pick on any of you, but I think if anyone in this room, any lady in this room was 90 years old and heard God say, you are going to be pregnant with a child next year, you probably laugh too. And in some cases, being 50, 60, 65, 70, you may still laugh. But this is kind of what happened, and God's making his covenant with Abraham <clears throat> that he would have a son, and we do know through God's word that God fulfilled this promise. That Sarah at 90 years old did give pregnant, did give birth to a son. So God held this promise. And through this covenant, there's things that Abraham also had to do. 
You know, and I think we see in Scripture in, in this covenant with Abraham, it was this is what we will do, but this is what you need to do. And that's kind of how covenants worked. It's a covenant like this promise or contract or it's this, I will do this if you do this. And we actually see this throughout Scripture. Um, All throughout Scripture, as you go back, and there's some very well-known covenants. And understand the old covenant was if you're faithful to the law and that you will follow him, that's where your blessing came from. That's where the salvation came from, by following the law, by being faithful to him. Of course, now we have a new covenant, but there's still some very well-known covenants throughout the Bible. You, you think about the covenant given to Noah, the rainbow in the sky is a covenant that God will never flood the entire earth again. You got the covenant to Abraham prior to this about how him and his family would be the father to all nations. And People would be blessed through him. God gave a covenant to Moses, if you remember. You would take the Israelites out of Egypt, out of that bondage, out of that slavery, and take them to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And these are just a few covenants. And of course, we have the new covenant that we live by today, that God would send his only son, Jesus, to be the ultimate sacrifice for us knowing that Jesus died on a cross to take away the sins of the world, and if we were to believe in him, that we will have eternal life. So that's that other covenant that was made, and that's that covenant that we live under today is the covenant, that new covenant with Jesus Christ. And all of these, I think, helped us to see God's love, his mercy, and his grace for each one of us. And in Ted Tripp actually wrote in a book, it's uh, called Shepherding a Child's Heart. And he wrote this. He said, Genesis 18 calls fathers to direct their children to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Being a parent means working in God's behalf to provide, children, uh, to provide direction for your children. Directors are in charge. It involves knowing and help them to understand God's standards of children's behavior. It means teaching them that they are sinners by nature, and it includes pointing them to the mercy and grace of God shown in Christ's life and death for sinners. So you see, parenting, parenting holds an important role in the life of children, and especially that of a father. Psychologists and even in the, in the secular world, a lot of people will point to the way God is because of the way the earthly father was. If the earthly father is loving and nurturing and caring, the child believes of God is loving and nurturing and caring. If the father, like in my case, was absent and not around, not involved, that was the view I had of God. God was absent. He wasn't going to be involved in my life. And a lot of, unfortunately, children, as they grow up, they look to their father figure on what their heavenly father should be or what their heavenly father actually is. And Pastor Matthew Brown in the Washington Post actually said this, 
Sociologists say it's common for people to perceive that God is like the fatherly figures in their lives. If dad is caring, patient, and concerned, then children will believe God has the same characteristics. An opposite holds true when a father is harsh, judgmental, or absent. Now, I say fathers here, but parents, they're single moms. My mom was a single mom. Children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, they look up to you to see how you are. And if you're the, the figure, authority figure in their life, you can represent God to them by the way you are. Are you going to be loving and showing mercy and grace, or are you going to be harsh and be hated or, you know, just be mean? We can affect the lives of the kids in our life. We can affect the lives of our grandchildren. We can affect the lives of the kids who live next door. Simply by the way we act, the way we talk, the way we treat them. And I've said it before, understand, you're the only Bible that some people may ever read. And if they know you're a Christian and you say, well, I'm a Christian, I go to church, I, I do all of this. And then you're out there cussing like a sailor. Beer bottles all over your front porch. Getting drunk, whatever it may be. Are you really representing what God's word says? <clears throat> so we need to be able to represent what God's word says in everything that we do. <clears throat> and remember, I, I talked about we're under the new covenant now, that we're talking about God has created this, <clears throat> has given us his new covenant. And in Acts 3, verses 24 through 26, it says, in addition, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and to those after him have also foretold these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your ancestors, saying to Abraham, and all of the families of the earth will be blessed through your offspring. God raised up his servants and sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways. And you see, God makes his covenant with us today. God, God makes his covenant with us that we can turn around and, and change who we were. You know, the old, the, in the old covenant, salvation was expressed by obedience to the law and obedience and following of God. In this new covenant, it's personal. It's this personal relationship with Jesus. Now, now understand there is a commun community um, experience with it because it's about community and it's about personal but understand that Christ offered his blood on the cross for us as a sacrifice to erase our sins, to give us that forgiveness for our sins. He showed his love and he showed his grace for us. And I don't know about each one of you, but I am very happy I received his love and his grace. Because I remember who I was. I remember things I used to do. And, and, I, and I thank 
God for when I read his word and I see scripture like Hebrews 4, 16, that says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That's the covenant that God made with us, that we can come boldly to his throne of grace. We can come boldly to his throne of grace. It doesn't matter what you did. Doesn't matter who you are. You can, as a Christ follower, someone who accepted Jesus, you can come boldly to God's throne of grace and receive it from him. It don't matter what you've done wrong. It don't matter what you've said. You can come boldly to the throne of grace and find that love and grace because God cares for us. God loves you. He wants the best for you. All you got to do is come to him. And see, that's the difference. You have to come to him. It's not just coming to church three times a year. It's not just only thinking about God's word when you're inside church. It's about being obedient to what he calls us to do. Take time daily inside his word. If you want to know what he expects of you, you spend time in his word. So you take the time in his word, you get involved in Bible studies. You, you give a tithe like he calls you to do. Because way too many people in today's world don't come to church, but then when things get tough, they look to the church. But yet they don't spend any time in the church. They don't give to the church. They're not involved in the church but then they want a handout from the church. The blessing comes through the obedience. And if you're not being obedient to what God calls you to do, do you really think you deserve the blessing? And unfortunately, way too many people, oh, but you're a Christian. You should be love and you should give grace and you can give mercy. Yes, but God's word also says if you don't work, you don't eat. See, remember, I'm going to preach all of God's word, not just the parts that make you feel good. Because that's what we're called to do. We're called to preach every single part of God's word. Way too many churches out there today aren't preaching the entire word of God. They're taking these little bits and pieces and, and well, God loves you. Well, yes, God does love you. God does want the best for you. God wants you to be successful in your life. But it takes you to do something. It takes you to be obedient. It takes you to take them steps and walk in faith knowing that he's going to do it. It doesn't mean sitting on the couch saying, I'm waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord requires action. It requires you to do something. And as a Christ follower, we should be doing something at all the time. And how are we going to teach our kids and our family that love, mercy, and grace of God if we're not spending time in it? If you're not bringing your kids or your grandkids to church and not getting involved in a Bible study and taking time and reading God's word with them, how are they going to understand it? Trust me, the world out there is so much easier. It's so much easier and it just grabs on to kids nowadays and it grabs on to adults because everyone wants that instant gratification. And the world can give you instant gratification. 
And you will get eternal life, but it will be in hell and not in heaven. The price is too big to pay. You know, as we work on our relationships with Jesus, we got to understand none of us are perfect. We're never going to be perfect. But we can receive his love, his grace, and his mercy. We can receive all of that. And, you know, as I look through scripture, I really just, I, I love Romans 8, 15, and 16. And it says this, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And that's something to rejoice about. We're the children of God. There's an inheritance that comes with it. When it's said and done as a follower of Jesus Christ, we will spend eternity in heaven with him. And it doesn't matter that the streets are gold and the gates are giant pearls. It doesn't matter any of that. You know what matters? We're going to spend eternity with him. Eternity with the one who loved us, showed us grace, gave us mercy, everything for us. And that should get you excited. What we're going to get through our inheritance is far greater than anything we'll ever get in this world. Anything we'll ever get in this world. And you see, God showed us love and grace, and we need to extend that same love and grace to the people around us. Even them neighbors that you don't like. Even your co-workers that you don't like. And yeah, ouch, it hurts. Love your neighbor as I have loved you. If we're going to love the way Jesus loved, we need to be able to put some things to the side. He showed us love, he showed us grace, and he showed us mercy, and we won't show it to a co-worker who we happen to not like. We won't show it to our next door neighbor. Are we really loving the way that Jesus loved us? He was willing to go to the cross and die for you. It's time to let bygones be bygones and move forward. And I believe just as God chose Abraham's family to display his covenant, he can still use us today to help people come to know him. And like I said, this doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean your family is going to be perfect. Anyone out here got a perfect family? Or y'all's family like mine. Y'all remember you know, when the kids were growing up and, hey, it's time to go to bed. Why? What do you mean, why? Hey, you need to get off the phone. And of course, back then, the phone, you know, we had these, you know, it was hung on the wall and you had these real long cords and you get the really long ones so you could go into the other room. And then it'd be, get off the phone. Why? Why? Because I said so. That's why. You know, now everyone's got cell phones. They come to the table and they bring their cell phone to the table and they're playing games or, you know, they're talking to their friends or texting or on TikTok or something, playing on the WhatsApp and, and then they don't even take that time to have a conversation. Put your phone away. Why? Maybe you just want to hit them, right? Boy, go get me a switch. And it better not be a flimsy one. You know, but uh, I'm sure someone's got the perfect family. Come on. No one's got them kids who say, why, yes, parents. <laughs> yes, father. Yes, father. Okay. There'll be no wire hangers in my closet. 
Why, yes, you want me to go to bed? Why, yes, I have already washed up and brushed my teeth. Oh, you want me to get off the phone? Why, yes, parents, I trust everything you say. There's no one out here who has kids like that or grandkids? Grandkids definitely. I'm over here looking at Zach saying, okay, come on, Zach. You're going to be that? You're going to be that? Just with grandma, right? Yeah. Okay, just with grandma. Okay. <laughs> and it's true, you know, they do act better with their grandparents than with their parents. But you see, we learn so much as parents on what not to do that then when we get grandkids, we just spoil them. Because why? We get to send them home. We can give them sugar, shake them up, and send them back out the door. We can show them that love. We can show them mercy. We can show them grace. All the stuff we couldn't show to our own kids. Because, you know, when you didn't show that for your own kids, you kind of had to eat crow. Anyone here ever have to eat crow with their kids? You know, make that apology. And, and be able to walk up to them and go, I'm sorry. Man, I messed up. You know, I assumed this, or I thought this, or... You know, I remember when I was a kid, so I thought you were doing what I did. And you had to eat that crow. And you had to ask your kids for forgiveness because you needed that forgiveness to, to keep that love and to keep that relationship going. To think about it, that's what God does for us. He knows we've messed up. He knows we're sinners. He knows we're going to fall short of his glory but yet he still gave us that love, mercy, and grace. And we're supposed to give that to others. We're supposed to be obedient and give it to others, and especially family. And I tell you, I got a messed up, jacked up family. And I try and show them love, and I try and give them grace, and it's hard sometimes because I'm human. I'm human, and I do make mistakes, and there's times I have to ask for forgiveness but as we said back at the beginning that was written, Genesis 18 calls for us to direct our children. Direct our children in the way of the Lord. Direct them in the way of the Lord. If you look at what, what God is talking to Abraham, I will bless them if they follow my statutes. I will bless them if they follow my law. I will bless them if they do this. We're all sinners by nature. We're all going to fall short, but we need to direct our kids and our grandkids in the way of that Christian life, taking that time to open up God's word with them, taking that time to explain that, hey, you're going to mess up. And as a parent, as a grandparent, be open and honest enough to say, hey, I did. Man, don't ask, don't ask your aunts. Don't ask your, you know, what your uncle did. Or don't ask my, my brothers and sisters what I did. Because they're going to lie. I was Kenny do no wrong. They did everything wrong. It wasn't me. But they'll try and blame me for it. Be open and honest with your kids. Man, I did some stupid stuff as a kid. I did some stupid stuff as an adult. But we want our kids to grow up and be good adults. We want them to be good parents. And we're never going to get them to be good adults and good parents if all we ever did was lie to them and make them think that we were perfect. Because trust me, they know you're not. 
Man, your grandkids know you're not perfect. Your parents definitely knew you weren't perfect. Even if you were the favorite, Craig, <laughs> even if you were the favorite child, it doesn't make a difference. They still know you were going to mess up. And they may have covered for you a little bit. I remember having to cover for my own son. I had to give him that love. I had to give him mercy and grace. Now, sometimes that love is tough love, but you still have to give it to him. You know, John Mayer's song, Daughters, just the lyrics alone, it really reminds me and it makes me think about the weight that we have on our children. And it says this, on behalf of every man looking out for every girl, you are the God in the weight of her world. So fathers, be good to your daughters. Daughters will love like you do. And as much as that's daughters, well, guess what? Sons will be the same way. Your children will reflect the love that you gave to them. You, you want your son to grow up and be a man? Teach him how to hold a door. Teach him how to open the door for his girlfriend, for his mom, for the ladies who come into the room. Teach him to stand up when a lady comes in the room. All of these things that, you know, now you got this whole toxic masculinity thing. The only thing toxic about masculinity today is it's got nothing to do with masculinity. Absolutely nothing. In today's world, they think hitting a woman or doing this or that makes them a man. Back in our day, boy, I raised my hand to my sister. It was on. I got whooped. If I didn't open a door for someone, I got whooped. To this day, my bride, I open up the car door for her every time we get in it. Every place we go to, I open the door for her. And my parents aren't here to beat me. But it was ingrained in me and I ingrained it into my own kids as that's what you do. You know, our son will open the door for his wife. He opens the door any place they go. Teach your kids how you want them to be in their future life. And the problem in today's world is too many fathers are absent and too many parents are absent in other people's lives. Get involved in other people's lives. Your next door neighbor's kids, you may be the only parent figure they ever know. Show them that love, show them that mercy, and show them that grace that God has given you. So, as I said, last week I was on vacation. Now, most of y'all probably wouldn't think it was vacation. I took 14 classes in four and a half days. So, but to me, it was a vacation because it was doing something I enjoyed doing. So I was at the International Conference of Police Chaplains up in Orlando and getting certification through that organization. And, and like I said, I'm not sure if many of you would think it was a vacation and, and taking 14 classes in four and a half days and then going, man, I got to write a sermon for this weekend. And I had all this going on and, and it was like, I'm like, God, what do you want me to talk about? God, it's a new series. I know it's called a journey of, of grace and love, but I just couldn't get it. And if you're given a Bible study, you've probably been there. If you ever got to teach something, you've probably been there where it just doesn't come to you. And the one thing God told me, you know, as I was just 
God, what do you want me to say? I keep reading the scripture. I keep going over it. He told me, walk outside. So I walked out on the balcony and I looked straight out and I could see Cinderella's castle. And when I looked to the left, I saw Epcot. And at nine o'clock every night, I saw the fireworks at Epcot. And at 9.21 every night, the fireworks at Disney. It's amazing. You could set your clock by it. Beautiful sunsets every night as we look west, except for the nights it was cloudy. And as I walked out there, I thought about my journey, my personal journey of God's love and grace. And about what he's done in my life and, and what he's done in my kid's life. And, and knowing that even though we were messed up, just like Abraham, he could use us. Just as God used Abraham's family as a display of covenantal love, I saw how he used my family. How he was able to still use me despite who I was. He could still use me despite how I still mess up today. He can still use my family to show his love and mercy to others. And in that quiet time, just sitting there looking, I really got to thinking back on how God has been able to use me and my messed up family. And for those of you here, maybe in the same boat, man, my family's messed up. Well, guess what? You're here in church. And whether you're here in church or you join us for church online, you're here. Which means you're trying to make a difference. Which means you're trying to change. And, and even though you messed up, you're still trying to get better. You, you're trying to, to understand what God's word says and how you can apply it into your life. <clears throat> and maybe how your kids or your grandkids can also have that Christian lifestyle. So you're still here and you're still trying. I'm right there with you. I'm still here and I'm still trying. But at that same thing, as we come to know Jesus, we can start those new traditions. We, we can start to change our lives and, and we can take off that backpack that's been dragging us down from our family history. And we can leave it behind and move forward. And we can start giving that love and that mercy and that grace to others who come into our life. Family vacations are fun. Sometimes they're not. But we need to understand even as we go through life, this journey that we're on. And through this journey, you know, you may be wondering, well, pastor, that's really good, but I don't know Jesus. Well, if you're here, whether you're here in person or church online and you don't know Jesus and you're saying, well, pastor, I got to get it all together. He's never going to accept me the way I am. God's word says we're all sinners and we all fall short. Every single one of us falls short. I'm up here preaching and I fall short. I still mess up. But it also says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's that new covenant. That's that acceptance of Jesus. That's where you're able to approach that throne of grace. 
and come boldly to it. But understand that just because you, I, I believe, I, I trust it. I'm going to say it. I'll shout it from the rooftops. When you leave here, the world's going to be the same. Your messed up, jacked up family is still going to be messed up and jacked up. When you walk through that front door, they're still going to be doing the same thing they were doing when you walked out the door to come to church. The same people that you hung out with, whatever it is they were doing, guess what? They're still going to be doing that same thing. Hopefully the difference is that you have changed. And then through that change that you made by accepting Jesus and wanting to live this life that he has for you, that you will then start to change them. That because of the change in you, they'll see a change and they'll ask, what's the difference? Hey, I got Jesus. I'm getting my fix of Jesus every day. That's what I need. I don't need the fix of alcohol. I don't need the fix of drugs. I don't need the fix of whatever it may be. I just need Jesus. And start taking that time in his word. Taking that time getting involved, learning as much as you can about him so that you can actually be obedient to what he calls you to be. And then maybe you're sitting here saying, well, pastor, man, my family's jacked up and we don't take vacation. Well, maybe you need to. Maybe you need to take some time. Take some time with your family. Take some time with loved ones and friends and actually take a journey. Take a journey where you can show them the love, mercy, and grace that God's given you. And maybe you've slipped back and, you know, hey, you know, I accepted Jesus, but I'm not doing what he called me to do. You know, I'm one of them CEOs. I'm a Christmas and Easter only Christian. I come to church three times a year. That's what the average is. People say, if you go to church three times a year, you're a Christian. I don't know what people say that. I don't think you can really know Jesus unless you spend time with him. And part of spending time with Jesus is your own personal time, plus coming in and being with your brothers and sisters in Christ inside the church. Never forsake meeting together. Whatever it is, I just want to encourage you, if you've never accepted Jesus, during this final song, I'll be off to the side. You can come up and, and you can pray with me. We'll talk about it. And you can join our messed up, jacked up family and know that you fit right in. You fit right in with every one of us because we can probably tell you all kinds of stories inside this room. But a common story we all have is, this is the day I met Jesus. And this is what he has done in my life. He can change your life, radically change your life if you just accept him today. So Heavenly Father, we come to you as we, as we begin this journey of love and grace and, and looking at family dynamics and family vacations, Lord. Lord, I just ask that you be with us throughout this week. And, and Lord, that we will truly understand what your love and your mercy and your grace has done for us. And Lord, that we will share who you are with others. And Lord, that as messed up as we are, that we will take that time to be parents that we're called to be. We're the grandparents that we're called to be. 
and that we will show our family members who you are and so that they can come to know you and, and come to have that relationship and, and begin that legacy, Lord, that will pass down from generation to generation. Lord, we want to pass down that legacy of, of being a Christ follower, not a legacy of being a junkie or an alcoholic or anything else. Lord, we want to pass down you, that you can affect our whole family moving forward. But Lord, that takes you, us allowing you to affect us first. So Lord, may you clean our hearts, may you make them pure and make them hearts of flesh. And Lord, may we seek you in all that we do and make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.